Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Yeah, we were talking in the previous segment about T.Y. Hilton and some of the things he had to say about the Texans. They are all these former Colts, man, between T.Y. Hilton, Pat McAfee. They're really nervous about having the Texans in the AFC South. Here was T.Y. Hilton on the Trenches podcast. He said he thinks C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell are a whole lot like him and Andrew Luck. I'm going to tell you a receiver and a quarterback mm. that reminds me of me and 12. Mm. It's still early, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to make some of y'all mad, but it is what it is. I'm going to speak facts. They're a part of the city that I own, right? C.J. and Tank Dell, bro. So CJ and Tank Dell. Yeah, that was uh, you had to cut out a lot of that because there's a lot of swearing from uh, Zaire Franklin and everybody. Yeah, it's like five guys all talking at the same time. It's, it's mostly Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed are the two current linebackers yeah. for the uh, Colts. Who like they knew where he was going with that, yeah, uh, and who he was going to name, and uh, and they're not happy about it. Zaire Franklin said we we've shown CJ Stroud too much love already. Let me ask you this: what what is it? You know, like look, Nico Collins was he I get it he played more games but even when they were on the field together Nico was having the better statistical year than than Tank or they were comparable I guess you know I don't know if one was significantly better than yeah. the other they were both on pace for over a thousand yards and Nico yeah. wound up getting 1300 yards because he was largely healthy Tank broke his leg in week 13 why is it that it feels like CJ and Tank that combo is getting more love than the combo of CJ and Nico Collins well, I think he answers it with his second. Okay. Uh, because, um, like the the off script stuff okay. is the is what he's is talking about. Okay. Well, here's the yeah. Here's the here's the- bro. I was watching one of their games and CJ scrambled and just threw it the tank. I know exactly what you're talking about. Back back right corner. Yes, zone. sir. Yeah, exactly just right throw it the tank. I say, but I got on my phone. I tell my home, but I say, yo, that look like me and Luck, bro. Like no cap. Like that's different. Mm-hmm. Mm. And as I kept watching them, they kept going off script. Off script, off script, and then when they get on script, like it's just like, man, how are we gonna start these two? And, and like, then Tank got hurt, and I was like, dang, they might struggle. But then Nico picked up, and I'm like, bro, if 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 Nico could play like this with Tank, they gonna be a problem. Yeah, I probably should ask you that question after we played that clip. I was just yeah. thinking in the moment. No, 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 because that's, I think that's the difference is that like Tank is just that kind of player um, that's going to be able to, like with his wiggle and his speed and everything else, just be able to find those creases when things break down. Now, CJ did it with, 
with Nico too. I mean, look, uh, you look to the Colts game where he was throwing back across, where CJ was under duress and threw what looked like a complete throwaway that ended up being a throw to Nico Collins. Like, yeah, like he can totally improvise with with Nico too. I think it's just that with um, Tank, just like with Ty Hilton, there's a certain quickness there. Mm-hmm. Like, like honestly. The extreme version is Tyreek Hill with Pat Mahomes. Like, okay, all those times where Pat Mahomes would be rolling out to the side um, or breaking out of the pocket, and Tyreek Hill separates at that point when the, when all of a sudden the defensive back gets caught looking back towards the quarterback or something. I think that's the element that, that Tank can have with CJ that just physiologically isn't going to be possible with Nico. Which, um, if you could only keep one, who would it be, Nico Collins or Tank Dell? Like if you, oh, if we, okay. If we took injuries out of the equation, of course, Nico's been banged up too in his career. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Take injuries out, just purely stylistically. You can only keep one of these guys for CJ Stroud long term. Who would it be? I think Tank. Yeah, Tank feels like more of a cheat code than Nico Collins does. I, I think, like, I, I'm watching Brandon Nayuk and you know Debo Samuel is banged up in that game. And it, you know, versus the Chiefs, it's not that's not the best indicator because <laughs> the Chiefs' pass defense is so good. But the the big dudes get a lot of opportunities for run after the catch in this offense when it's executed properly. Um, and I don't mean to say that you can find other big guys that can break tackles or get upfield, uh, but I think that the like Nico's special traits aren't as special as Tank's special traits. And they're different special traits. Nico, it's about a combo of size and speed and strength. Um, or with Tank, it's just that extreme quickness and athleticism and, and married to really good route running that just is, uh, is a step beyond. You know, like I've told you before, it doesn't, it doesn't look physiologically possible for, for, for people to do what Tank Dell does with his yes. body. Yep. If he were, uh, you know, and it, it helps that he's smaller there, but that's what makes you forget about his size is like, oh, okay, he's smaller, but he actually turns that into a strength because he can do things physiologically that other human beings simply mm-hmm. can't. So, yeah, I, I would say Tank. Yeah. Um, both third-round picks, by the way, Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Uh, yeah. Texans deep well, receiver yeah, draft this year. Like, think about watching Zay Flowers. Like, Zay Flowers had a good rookie year, um, but it wasn't anything spectacular or anything. And when you watch Zay Flowers, yeah, he does all those things. That little underneath, uh, you know, herky-jerky motion can get open and find soft spots and all that. But he averaged like 11 yards per reception this year. Um, he just isn't the same level of athlete that a Tank Dell is. And like, that's, that's the thing that's really, really cool about if he can stay healthy and, and stay with CJ for a long time, it's just going to get better in terms of that that nonverbal communication, yeah. like that Dalton Schultz has with CJ. You take that and then you add in surreal athleticism, and it could be really, really special. I don't think I would trade Tank for any of the wide receivers that got picked in the first round of his draft class. There were four wide receivers that got picked in the first round of the 2023 draft, all right in a row from 20 to 23. And I may have this out of order, but it was Jackson Smith and Jigba. I wouldn't trade Tank for him. Jordan Addison had a good year. Wouldn't trade Tank for him. Quentin Johnston, who was he's closer to being a bust now for the Chargers than he is being a, a competent NFL wide receiver. And then um and then Zay Flowers was the other one. And I wouldn't trade Tank for Zay Flowers. Um and I know there's gonna be people going, Well, are you how concerned are you about his ability to hold up physically? 
you know, I, if he stays out of piles with gigantic people leaning on his leg, then I feel pretty good about it. His other injury where he missed a game was a concussion where he landed on his head on the turf in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, yeah. like those these, these things happen. Smaller people do suffer like head, from head trauma more easily, at least uh, if you if you go to combat sports. So I don't know. Um, that's the only thing. I, okay, he did have two notable injuries this year. Is that is that crazy or freakish? Like no, and I, like neither one of them were. You know, like, neither one of them were the kind of injury that make you fear for a guy long term. Yeah, like a broken tibia. Unless his broken tibia ended up being more complex than than we know then you know like it was like a joe theisman type thing or something which it doesn't sound like it was uh then i then i wouldn't worry too much about it i just do think i think he's got to just he's got to understand that he doesn't need to also be sticking his nose in where it doesn't need to be one of the quotes from ty hilton on this on this podcast was about choosing your battles and knowing when to take hits and Ty was saying, like, you know, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the best, the best strategy to follow, like to the letter. But Ty Hilton said that he he would go weeks upon weeks without getting hit at all, uh, because you know the Colts, the Colts will, they've got a long history of just diving before contact, which I never, I never really you liked don't like that part. That. Of it. I was, I thought it was one of the things that separated the Colts from the Patriots. Yeah. I think the reason the Patriots were able to routinely destroy with the Colts was they were just genuinely a tougher football team. Yeah. Like I thought that Tom Brady was a tougher quarterback because Brady would throw the ball away or excuse me, Manning would throw the ball away and not get hit and, you know, like just chuck it and dive, do all those things where Brady would throw the perfect pass while getting tattooed on the chest. Yeah. Um, so like I, there's a, there's a happy medium, I think where tank doesn't need to be, you know, going off and freelancing on the goal line. Like I, I still, I don't think that that was his responsibility to be blocking that dude on that goal line play. Um, and he's just got to be use a little bit more discretion about keeping himself out of harm's way. Just showing that dog, Seth. I know. Yeah. No, we know that he's got dogs. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't need to show that or prove that he's got to, he's got to recognize that he's a very, very tiny receiver, uh, jumping into the midst of very large men. Yes. We need Tank Dell to know people out there. If you run into Tank Dell or if you hit him up on social media, remind him that we already know he's a dog. Okay. You know what it is? It's like this, Sean. It's like when you're done playing competitive sports and you're trying to exercise, you've got this notion stuck in your head that, you know, it's it's not real exercise unless you feel like you need to vomit or pass out right. or whatever, and then you start trying to do some distance type stuff, and uh, and and they tell you like, oh no, you need to you need to go at a conversational pace for an hour or two. Okay. Uh, the discipline it takes to stay in that conversational pace when uh, like anything, everything, every fiber of everything you've ever learned was that like no, you need to be driving yourself until you want to puke. Like it takes a lot of discipline. Yeah. To, it takes a lot of discipline to hold back yes. and restrain yourself a little bit and stay in that nice conversational pace. Yep. And likewise, like it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of discipline to not get in fights. You know, when you're a young kid and you learn like, okay, you know what? I can't be, especially this happens with athletes very early. Like you're a college athlete, you can't be getting in fist fights. So like no matter what somebody says about you or your mother or anything else when you're out at a bar or whatever, yeah. you don't, like, it takes a lot of discipline to not get in a fight. Tank Dell has to be disciplined enough to not be a tiny man throwing himself into a pile of 350-pounders. Man, now I'm nervous that all the opponents are going to be talking to him and getting in his ear like, what, you don't block anymore, bro? You don't get in the... Yeah, you, you, don't, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, just challenging I his manhood. I guess manhood. you learned, huh? Yeah. I guess you learned. I guess you learned you're not tough enough. You're not man enough. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Challenging his manhood. 
Um, Payne and Pendergast. I was, out, I was out with my brother and like a pro rugby player one night, and I've never been more impressed by this dude's ability to like just completely ignore. We were walking. We were like down at um, we we're downtown. We we're down by the convention center, going to their hotel and trying to find a bar along the way, mm-hmm. and like three dudes just started started in like walking behind us and my brother it was me my brother and this this dude and my brother and i got a little bit we got a little too much hair trigger in us um and but this dude is this big irish guy who's like six six four percent body fat oh like totally would have been a tight end or a defensive end if he if he had grown up in america he was the biggest one in the group for you guys and he just like basically grabbed both Dan and me, like by the, the the scruff of our necks, and was like, "Nope, mates, let's come on." <laughs> well, he, Not doing it. These guys are still yelling, and Dan and I are making a fit, and just yeah. What what started it? What's uh... Uh, alcohol? <laughs> okay, yeah. nothing, nothing started it. We didn't do a damn thing. It was three guys that just wanted to get in a fight. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. know. If, I didn't know if you guys were at a bar and one of you bumped into him no, or something like that. But it that. was one of the yeah, it was one of the no, it was one of those weirder things like where usually if I like if I'm responsible for it at all, then I I, I can be I can pull myself out pretty easily. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay. And I, you know, I, I realize that I'm being an idiot. But yeah, it was the fact that it was just out of nowhere um, that. Uh, that that uh, for whatever reason triggered my brother. And Did I. you have taken either that or like either that or is because my brother and I were together. We want to be sure the other one knows that we're tougher than the, the, the oh, I'm tougher than him and yeah. he's tougher than me. Yeah. There's two battles going on <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Would you? Could you guys have taken him? Oh God, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a, yes, yes, yeah. They're a bunch of little yeah. punks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, it would have been it would have been ugly. Ooh. Now my brother, I mean, this is, my brother was like a, a world class wrestler and like has the MMA just messing around experience too. Um, I've I've seen now my brother's really good about like every I'll say quote unquote fight I've ever seen my brother get in is basically him uh, like toying with somebody until they get tired like yeah. without ever throwing a oh, punch. Yeah. Like he'll just and he's done it to a lot of football players. Yeah. Um, like like where he'll he'll get him they'll get pissed off and they start swinging everything he just kind of wrestles them and grapples and stuff and toys with them until they get flat out tired and then he makes a joke out of it and they go does he stretch them when they're on the ground (laughs) no he makes fun of them and like and gives them like slaps their belly and oh okay okay i'd like to see him be a little bit more violent um but i was like because he was the one who was beating up beating me up my entire life and then, because I kept wrestling him, like even after I got bigger than him, he always uh, the day the day I beat him wrestling was the day he stopped being a bully of an older brother to oh, me, okay. and all of a sudden he was my best friend. Yeah, like he came home from college one day, and I'd gained a bunch of weight, and we we got pissed off and wrestled each other, and I just I, I put him down pretty easily. Um, yeah, yeah, like that was the best the, the best suffering that I could have had was like I had a brother that beat the crap out of me, but really knew what he was doing. Yeah, and uh, and I had to get better than that. He was teammates with Kurt Angle, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they were at, they went to college together, right? And then when Kurt Angle was training for the Olympics, they were my brother was a coach at Pitt, and uh, they were I think that's where uh, that's where Kurt did a lot of his training before the Olympics. Was yeah. at Pitt. So my brother was uh, a bigger guy, so he'd wrestle with him he a lot. Yeah. Won the gold medal with a broken neck, Kurt Angle. Did he have a broken neck when he won the That's gold medal? That's at least the fable that was told on WWE television. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look it up in Wikipedia. I'm sure that'll be accurate. That's um, <laughs> yeah, but that's what they. That's uh, that was the story on on Monday Night Raw. Seth, that was the story. Is that Kurt Angle won the gold medal with a broken neck? 
Yeah, Kurt Angle was. Uh, yeah, it was. They went to this small little college in Western PA, Clarion, Pennsylvania. Um, which is one of these schools. It was like Division Two for every sport except wrestling. Except all wrestling, these, it was Alabama. <laughs> all these, yeah, like all these PSAC, these Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference schools, like Edinburgh and all those places. They're Division Two for football and everything else, but wrestling, it's it's a big time sport yep. there. So it's yeah, it's just like yeah, Kurt Angle is in this tiny little, uh, tiny little former mining town of Clarion, PA. Someone texts in, who the hell would ever mess with you guys? They probably had a gun. LOL. That's yeah, probably that true. or it was like, no, honestly, we thought about it after. It was like, it was probably like a gang initiation or something. Yeah. Like it was, yeah, or they had a gun. It was, it was weird. It was weird. But the guy, my main point was that this dude was so confident in himself and like all and so mature that like it wasn't even a thought. Yeah, there was no point. Like everything was like water off a duck's back. And yeah. he said, from like you know, I think probably growing up in Ireland too, yeah. where I think like there's more old school fist fighting still, like where kids just can get in a kids getting fights on the street corner and stuff, and there aren't weapons involved or anything. It probably like was that much more important than when he was a a stud rugby player, like one of the best in the nation. That he probably really got it drilled into his head that you can't be messing with any of that stuff. So he probably had a lot more opportunity to turn stuff down. Kyle Shanahan spoke about his decision in overtime of the Super Bowl. You're going to hear from Kyle Shanahan, his explanation, which I think holds water, and holds water with one of the foremost analysts of NFL football as well. We'll put that one to bed. I think today is the last day that overtime of the Super Bowl is discussed. We will discuss it next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so Kyle Shanahan finally met with the media. My guess is today is the last day that we'll be hashing things out with the decision in the Super Bowl, although Kyle Shanahan's going to probably have to live with it all offseason. He's probably going to get asked, asked about it quite a bit. Combine, draft, all that stuff, because it's it was a big topic. Choosing to take the ball in an overtime where both teams are guaranteed a possession. There's a lot of people that think Kyle Shanahan lost the Super Bowl with that decision. I don't feel that way. He did lose the Super Bowl, but I don't think that decision was the reason he lost. Here was Kyle Shanahan's explanation of the various things that went into the decision and how up to speed was his team on the new rules in overtime in the playoffs. We did say, and we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss, hey, review everyone with them, make sure they're sure before we go out. So we asked the position coach to do that, but I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. Um, We did it with our analytics department. We decided that going into the playoffs. What, you know, I think you guys know how I've explained how I make decisions with that stuff in the past. I take all the information I can get, um, especially ones I haven't been in, and 
um, our analytics felt that was the best way to go. But as you guys know, I don't always just go with that. Uh, I take into account what they say, what they think is right, and then I go off my gut in the heat of battle. And I knew what they felt going into it. And when I think about that during the moments I have to make the decision, I think the type of game it was did match what they felt was the best way to do. It did seem more like a field goal game. Um, and our defense had been out there for a real long time right before that. So uh, it was no, I didn't feel at all to override that at the time. I think that the one thing about him saying that he consulted the analytics, uh, people were skeptical of that at first. And I think part of it is just because there had been like maybe one or two analytics people anonymously in a Mike Sando column or wherever else say that they thought that you should, you should take the ball second. Um, like Bill Barnwell for ESPN, he's a pretty analytical guy. And to be clear, like I don't trust – if you're not working for a team – I don't really trust your opinion on exactly what a team should have done because you don't have their specific information. You've got standard charts for what goes on, and that's why you see difference in opinion sometimes. The 49ers analytics people are tailoring all that information to the, their personnel and their matchup versus the Chiefs and all of that. So, I, yeah, I actually believe Kyle Shanahan that that's what the analytics people said. And I also do agree with his actual human reasons for wanting to give the defense a rest because their four-man pass rush was losing effectiveness. They were having to start to blitz more, and it wasn't effective. I think Kyle wanted to try to be able to use a four-man rush as much as possible, and that meant giving those guys a break after their 11-game series they'd just been on the field for. If you were Shanahan, would you have chosen to take the ball first? I think because of the defense – like, and I'm biased towards understanding, like, what, what it's like for those pass rushers. Sure. I wasn't a pass rusher, but I know, like, what those guys are going through. The fatigue, um, yes. Yeah, yeah, and the fatigue, of, especially as, honestly, I'm not even complaining about this because that's the way the game was being called, but the, the Chiefs' tackles are really good at holding and not getting called for it. And that's, like, extra energy expended when you're trying to have a disciplined pass rush, but then also... You know, not yeah, like those defensive ends. You think about if, if you could see the times that they pointed it out in the game where they almost just turn into bull rushers trying to compress the pocket and then get off the block, depending on which way Pat Mahomes uh, exits the pocket. Mm-hmm. That takes energy. Like that takes into more of a football pushing a sled type of grind. And then you got to try to get away from a guy who's getting away with holding you. Like that wears you down. So. Yeah, I think I would have. I, I think I would have chosen that route. Um, I don't know if I would have factored in as heavily the the chance to have the first um, the chance to have the first uh, sudden death possession like they had talked about. I think it'd be more based on giving the defense a break. That that was the thing that resonated the most with me out of any of the Shanahan arguments because that's what I was feeling during overtime. I was feeling yeah. like, okay, this is a. This is a game where we could very well get to the sudden death stage because neither team had been had been scoring anything largely other than field goals. It was what really was a field goal kind of game. So I I thought, well, I say I thought. I know I came in on Monday and said, well, I thought once Mahomes got the ball, it was an inevitability he was going to get into the end zone. I guess I thought that 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 there'd be a chance that the game would still be tied after that. I'll, I'll say this: I in the moment in watching those two teams go, I felt like. As it was all playing out, I'm like, man, San Francisco, if they're able to hold the Chiefs to a field goal here, being the first team to get into a sudden death situation is a major, major advantage right now. That, they, that they're that they getting the first crack at all they have to do 
is get a field goal in that situation. So I guess maybe that argument resonated with me after the game because I was feeling yeah. it in the moment. Um, in retrospect, I think one of the best arguments is the fact that you'd done a pretty good job of shutting down Kansas City all day long. They had one touchdown drive. It was a one play. It was a one play drive after a fumbled punt. And I know it's Mahomes on the other side. It's and there's you know that he's the greatest and this and that. And it ended up playing out that way. I just don't think it was as bad a decision as some people make it out to be. I think there's a lot of you know post you know confirm you know I don't know if confirmation bias is what I'm looking for here. But there's a lot of people. There are a lot of people screaming about how bad this decision was. Yeah. That I don't think we're screaming about how bad it was in the moment. That's my. That's this my. Is the take. the thing that Barnwell brought up that I thought was significant was that the the Forty ers four man pass rush was really effective early on. They through through the first three quarters they pressured Mahomes without blitzing on forty six percent of the dropbacks. So they without when they didn't blitz they were pressuring him forty six percent of the time. In the fourth quarter and in overtime it was nineteen percent. So, like, the pass rush, the four-man pass rush just really, really dropped. Except then when they would blitz, Mahomes was 5-for-5 five five against the blitz, mm-hmm. uh, including that third-down conversion to Jarek McKinnon on the final drive of the fourth quarter. Um, and, oh, oh the, uh, the throw to Ry- Rasheed Rice at that time, too, yep. to, uh, to convert. So, like, that, that part of it is what made sense to me. The other part of, I think, the other part of the Kyle Shanahan criticism that I think is a little bit blown out of proportion was that the media managed to talk to a couple of guys, Justin Reed and one other Chiefs player who talked about Chris how Jones. Chris Jones, how prepared they were, and they knew about the situation and all of that. Um, whereas Kyle Shanahan, and then they talked to a couple of Kyle, uh, 49ers players who didn't know the situation. This is what you need to know and understand about that. Because at the time, when I'm hearing these guys talk about they didn't know it or they did know it. I was thinking about the various times in my life as a football player that something had been explained to me and uh, in one ear and out the other, especially when it came to game management stuff. Um, Mecole Hardman, the person who won the game yes. for, the, for the Kansas City Chiefs, did not know or realize that he had won the game for the Chiefs <laughs> with that catch. <laughs> That was uh, that was that he was not familiar with the rules of overtime and uh, that uh, like so I don't know do we fire do we fire Andy Reid now for not having him prepared yeah. the, the way some of the 49ers fan, uh, players weren't prepared I don't T- know Tiki Barber made a pretty passionate argument that I saw online about overtime like why are we doing sudden death like why don't mm-hmm. we play. Yeah, like play a ten minute period, you know, and, yeah. and play a full period of football that is more like a real football game where you're managing the clock, you're trying to, you know, yeah. um, as opposed to sudden death, um, which I I would be cool with. And then if it's well, know, I mean, they've I guess yeah. So then if there's a tie, then you you go on to another period of football, you play another ten minutes or whatever. But as opposed to, but then why? Okay, but then it doesn't matter. Like what? As opposed okay. to the, as opposed to the game ending on a field goal. Okay. You, you play. Yeah. A, you play. You, you you play another quarter of football. Yeah. So like, if there's not, a, I guess the danger in that is that um, you like you do have like there are ties. Like, how many overtimes do you want to go to? Well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, you're gonna play. Keep playing overtimes in a game of American context football for three or four. No, overtimes? you decided on a shootout with field goal kickers. That's what <laughs> okay. you do. Which yeah, would, that's what America would really love. Uh, yeah. It would be that great time to- element. So he makes it more realistic right up until you make it unlike anything else in football. It would yeah. be, it would be a poor way to decide a game, but it'd be super entertaining. I did realize there were still a lot of people that didn't understand that the, 
the clock running out on the quarter didn't really matter. And that was factoring in. Like, some people were arguing with me and like, and then all of a sudden realized, like, oh, oh, wait, they didn't have to score before the end of the quarter? That, uh, yeah. that was the most misunderstood thing, I think. I, yeah. I, I, I Forget about the each team gets a possession. Forget about that. The fact that they basically were starting a new game. That's what the referee said to the guys out there for the coin toss, yeah. which means that if if the if the uh, the Chiefs hadn't scored before the end of that overtime period, it would yeah. roll over to the second quarter. Right. Eventually, right. there'd be a halftime. You know who I don't think knew that? Well, yeah. Real quick, Chris Fowler on the uh-huh. ESPN. Listen to the Chris Fowler setting up the final play here. Clock running inside 10 seconds. They have two timeouts. Can they win it right here? Mahomes on the move. Throws. Touchdown! Kansas City wins! Miko Hardman! Unbelievable. I mean, well, I, the, he clearly thought that the time the time was going to run out on them, right? Either that or it might have been. I wonder... What else could it be? Because leading up to that, I'd have to listen to him leading up to that. Like, was he, like, expressing extreme concern that they weren't using their timeouts with all that time left or not? Um, I, that would be the part I'd wonder about, I guess. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, we're not nearly as intelligent. Even intelligent people aren't nearly as intelligent as we all would love to think that we are um, when you're confronted with something new. Like when you've got, you've kind of been conditioned to to see certain cues and assume certain things. That when something is new, it, like you realize, like, oh wow, I'm operating on automatic way more than I realized. And so I, I give Chris Fowler a break on that. You one. do? I think he clearly didn't like know the it. rules. I'm feeling charitable. I think he yeah. clearly didn't know the rules, and I love Chris Fowler. But I'm, the rules, I'm, it was, well, it was interesting too. Early in the season, I was curious about exactly what would happen. Like exactly what the execution was if they went after a second overtime period. And I couldn't find clarification. Now it's pretty clearly stated. Maybe I was just looking in the wrong place in the rule book. But in the rule book now it just says, um, yeah, you just keep playing quarters. There's no halftime or anything. You just keep playing you keep adding quarters okay. until until there's a game. That's interesting. Decided. So they don't at the end of the second overtime period there's not a pr- there's not pressure to score. No, as you, just, if you, you just have another overtime just period. Keep that's just interesting. Okay, quarter, well, then, that's, yeah. then the referee was being, he was being a little, uh, he was lying a little bit then. Did the referee say there would be a halftime? The, well, the referee just said it's as, as if we're starting a new game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, uh, the games I know all have halftime. <laughs> What about you? Have you ever seen a game okay, without halftime? If they were starting, oh, Sean, did they? Did you get angry that they didn't reset the clock to zero zero for the scoreboard? Uh, that it that it should have been. If we're starting a new game, it should be zero zero. Uh, I didn't see that, but I would have gotten appropriately <laughs> agitated had I seen that. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Um, is there recruiting going on right now when it comes to number one wide receivers in the Houston Texans? We have that for you next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so the Texans, are the Texans potentially going to go big game hunting for wide receiver help? Wide receiver Nico Collins tanked out really good this year. If you get C.J. Stroud even more weapons, what does the offense look like this coming season? Jamar Chase just finished up his third year. He is potentially due a... Big raise, big contract extension. He's been one of the best receivers in football since coming into the league in 2021. Um, he was on the receiving end of a really, really nice C.J. Stroud highlight in the Pro Bowl flag football game. And this first bit of audio is from the flag football game, right, Seth? This, uh, yeah. yeah. So here's Jamar yeah. Chase. Is he inviting C.J. Stroud to come play with him? 
Yeah, uh, that, that play actually felt like the play with me and Joe actually scored against Houston the same exact way. So, CJ, I know you want to play with me, buddy. Come on. Okay. I know you want to play with me, buddy. Come okay. on. So, now here's the thing. Jamar Chase is not a free agent, but he is entering the final year of his contract. The um, Yeah, well, I'm assuming they gave him the fifth-year option. So, yeah, whatever. So, he, uh, so he's uh, a potential trade. Yeah. There's been speculation, and people are wondering whether CJ Stroud, uh, maybe, and he had been in cahoots uh, working behind the scenes. Or maybe just to, maybe to exert some kind of pressure or leverage on the Cincinnati Bengals themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Kay Adams asked CJ about this when we were at the Super Bowl last asked week. CJ or Jamar? Jamar Chase. Good point, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, by the way, you were right about the uh, halftime, too. Oh, thank you. There was, it is treated like a halftime. Okay. You want anything else? Anything else you no, write about? No, no, no. I want to hear. I haven't heard this Jamar Chase <laughs> clip yet. I want to hear right. that. Yeah. Jamar, Kay Adams is talking to Jamar Chase. Yeah. Jamar, can you want to clear up the, uh, the CJ Stroud thing? Clear so basically, at the Pro Bowl, everyone freaked out because you said, come play with me. So what happened? Nothing. That's just me being messy, man. I know you. I like, I like messing with the crowd. I like messing with the, with the teams, the fans. You know what I'm saying? It's, all, it's a lot going on in the NFL, and we don't know. So Yeah. I mean, CJ is young. I'm young. You know what I'm saying? That don't mean I'm going to play with him now. You know what I'm saying? I don't plan on leaving Joe. So, I mean, all that's going to take care of itself. It's just me being messy. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you think? Um, that would be – that. the price of poker to get Jamar Chase for the Houston Texans is too high for me. He's one yeah. of the top three receivers in football. We know what the price is for – you know, Tyreek Hill and Jamar and uh, Devontae Adams was – that was multiple high draft picks for both of those guys. Oh, and then you've got to give them $30 million a year, you know? Yeah, that's uh, – like, CJ is good enough – or excuse me – uh, Nico is good enough, and Tank Dell is good enough that it's it's fair, especially because Nico is entering the final year of his contract. I think it's very fair to say, like, well, wait a second, like, how much do we need to spend on receivers when you might not be able to afford all three of these guys a couple years from now? And there's other holes on the roster. I, I think, and and like, it's awesome to dream about having three stud wide receivers, um, but this year in the draft. There is uh, there's a, a bounty of really, really promising prospects at wide receiver, and you've just got other areas you need to address, perhaps in free agency, um, that would be money better spent there. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I think, if anything, if there is anything intentional going on between those two, maybe it's CJ helping out Jamar by being like, yeah, we'll just joke around about it a little bit and, and put a little bit of pressure on the Bengals. Force you know? the price up, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good for Jamar and good for everybody that opposes the Bengals because they have to use more money under the cap to keep Jamar Chase. You know what? This is where, this is where the inaccurate story about CJ demanding that the Texans draft tank tell um, comes into play though because all that matters it doesn't matter whether it's true or not the real story is that basically the Texans drafted CJ um Casario was interested in tank Dell already and said hey CJ why don't you uh maybe call a few of these guys and ask who they've been talking to and Mm -hmm. what's going on maybe get a little intel on them yeah and uh but somehow that got framed as CJ demanding that the Texans draft tank walking into the war room (laughs) walking into the war room slamming his fist down on the table yes Honestly, that was that was really the last little bit of very unfair criticism the Texans got that I can remember where there were a lot of people who were like, "Oh, this franchise, 
Look at, look at, oh my gosh. They're letting the quarterback make the draft picks already. Uh, but whatever. So, yeah, so maybe all it takes is the Bengals thinking that CJ's got that kind of power, and maybe that gets Jamar Chase a nice payday. Well, I mean, look, if we are to believe that CJ, we don't, but if we are to believe the story that he demanded Tank Dell, Tank Dell and Jamar Chase have something in common. They are both first-team All-Pros, according to CJ Stroud. I'm just going to name my players first. I got Devontae Adams at X, Tank Dell at my slot, my F, LT at left tackle, um, my guy from the Ravens, 70 at left guard. I got Humphrey at 53, Quinn Nelson at right guard. Um, I got Lane Johnson at right tackle. Got Jameer Gibbs. I know you like that. And my running back. I got myself as quarterback, Travis Kelsey as my tight end, and I have Jamar Chase as my Z. You like that? It's not enough, but it's cool. Okay. <laughs> that was that was CJ Stroud with Micah Parsons right there. That was the other voice you heard. I, 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 not yeah, enough. It was one of the parts of the podcast where uh, it just seemed seemed like times where it was CJ's podcast and uh, he was dialed in and prepared and everything. Uh, I, I think CJ might end up having a podcast and doing a really good job. Of yeah, it. It, it sounds yeah. weird to say this. I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks that would have gone on a podcast and listed who their first team All Pro. Unit would be, you know, who their offense yeah. would be. I think they'd feel. I think there'd be a lot of quarterbacks that would feel like that. Um, one, they don't want to elevate opponents of theirs. Two, yeah. they don't want to disrespect teammates of theirs. Well, you know what? There's. I've noticed this with CJ when he goes on these podcasts and when he's around other players, especially, but also like other times where he's on um, some other people's things. He he cuts it up pretty well, like in a way that a lot of quarterbacks sometimes. I think quarterbacks almost like military people correct me if I'm wrong or not like some quarterbacks almost like military officers know that there's a certain amount of fraternization where you don't want to get too casual you know like you know you want to be you don't want to be too much of one of the guys and cutting on each other and everything because if somebody gets sensitive or something or whatever um it just can create complications CJ has a way about him where he can do it without having to worry about that I think because he always cushions everything you ever watch him when he uh, when he cuts on somebody, he's very quick to you know either you know like pull the person back out or give him a compliment or say that I'm just playing with you or whatever. Yeah, uh, like he's got a very good way of, of keeping it playful. Um, I I'm guessing that C.J. Stroud in environments where you get into some heated sports debates, you know, barroom debates, you know, backyard barbecue, barbershop, whatever. I'm guessing he's pretty good in that environment. I'm guessing of, yeah. of all like the people who just argue off the cuff about things, yeah. CJ strikes me as somebody who's got like actual data or recall to back things yeah. up, plays that he what? thinks about. I bet he's really good debating other people. Well, he's a genuine sports fan too, yes. or at least a genuine football fan. And Almost a nerd, fan. you know? Yeah. yeah, like a sports nerd. Yeah. Like a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you remember, I do get, I get overly flattered by guys that um, are not flattered, overly impressed by guys who you can tell, man, this kid was paying attention when he was 10 years old. Like, oh. this guy, he's got recall on various things, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty... You know who's like that was um, Charles James II. Yes. Because he grew up in Jacksonville. Yep. And it was funny, the first time I ever met him, he started reeling off the names of all... And not just, like, the guys you would know from Madden or anything, of all the guys from, like, the 99 Jaguars. The Charles like, Jameses of the team. Because it wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't just the names. He was bringing up elements of, like, 
parts of the season and everything, and yeah. he would have been pretty damn young at that point. Uh, so, like, that was flattering a little bit. But, yeah, I, I feel like the, the part about CJ that has learned how to play football by watching YouTube yeah. and that stuff, or obviously he's had good coaches along the mm-hmm. way, but he, a lot of what he's learned about quarterbacking he learned from YouTube. He told, um, he told Drew Brees that he enjoyed the video Drew Brees did breaking down one of CJ's games. Earlier this year, that happened this last year during the right. Super Bowl. Apparently, he saw Drew Brees and 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 complimented him on the video Drew Brees had done on his podcast. <laughs> I thought you did breaking down job. breaking down CJ's stuff, and you know because CJ has talked about how he 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 watched a lot of Drew Brees growing up yeah. to try to learn that quick compact delivery. Yep, um, yeah, it's there's so much good content coming off of Radio Row last week, man. Someone saying that. That um, on the Parsons podcast, CJ and Parsons were going at each other a little bit. You watched it. I didn't watch yeah. it. I only saw the clips. I haven't watched the whole thing, but they were they were kind of going at each other about basketball. And at one point, CJ said, "Like you're just you're playing people out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, you know." Instead, of, uh, he's in SoCal. He, yeah, they were cutting down. They were cutting on each other a lot leading up to the All Star basketball. Yeah, they're, they're, that's yeah. That, I'm glad you said that. That's yeah. They're for. People wondering why those are the two NFL players, CJ and Michael yeah. Parsons, that are going to be playing in the Celebrity All Star Game this weekend. I, I was looking at the YouTube channel, uh, the YouTube comments feed, mm-hmm. and I lost the comment. Somebody had mentioned that, you know, asked the question: Do we really know what we have with the offensive line, given that we really haven't seen much of it? You know, at best, at any given point in the season, they had sixty percent of their starters out there. Yeah. And I think it's a fair point. I think that the fact that you had to rotate various guys in at guard and that Juice Scruggs really, like, I, I know this doesn't seem like a big difference, but, man, sometimes with some guys there's a huge difference between center and guard. I still feel pretty optimistic about Juice Scruggs at center. Me too. I feel pretty strongly that he's not meant to be a guard. and um, But I think, likewise, like, Patterson showed promise at guard, and mm-hmm. I think that's something. Between Kenyon Green and Patterson – there's there's some unknown that could be a positive heading into the season for the offensive line. So, yeah, I, I, I think we should be concerned about the offensive line, but I don't think we should be 100% pessimistic about it. I think there's still there's still a potential reason for optimism. Yeah, hopefully it's the, you know, the, the classic thing with this offense where, you know, there's certain parts of it that take a year to get to get your legs under you and plus as you, you know, as the, as you said, they had so many different combinations along the offensive line this year too. Health can't be worse on the offensive line this year than it was for the Texans uh, last season. Um, John Lopez is here. Hey, John. Yes, sir. Uh, um, what is the uh, for you? What is the DefCon level for this Justin Verlander shoulder soreness that we heard about this morning? Uh, one is the highest. One, right? one is the most DefCon-y DefCon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I always get them backwards. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Five. So you're low level. Oh, you're not concerned you're not at super all. Concerned. No, no, I am. It's basically, uh, like we've signed a tree. Sp- PD with everybody. Well, like here's that. the reason. Trees PD? Trees PD. Uh, Same thing. I, 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 no, I like Trees PD. I like Trees PD uh, and I like, I like Foonsped. Here's my two favorite Seth Payne words. <laughs> when they say, well, Lance McCullers is on schedule, that's a DEFCON 1. Okay. Because we know. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. And right, yet, yeah. the opposite, when they say the opposite about Verlander, it's a DEFCON 5. Verlander doesn't need training camp. Okay. Well, this, but, is, this, is, this is 41 year, whatever he is. Uh, old Verlander yeah. saying, I'm going to go at my pace. I know my body. Nobody studies pitching, knows his body, technique, okay. delivery, 
Bob, you know, all the, the everything about his pitching better than Justin Verlander. This is a, and I would do it too. I'm not okay. passing judgment. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pass on uh, spring training this year, boys. Mm. You know, I don't know. I think that's a that's a very Zach Greinke approach to things. Well. <laughs> Whereas Verlander, like Verlander said, he's behind schedule though. Like Granky, Granky, once he realized he didn't actually have to report when pitchers and catchers report, he was like, "Wow, I'm never coming back." <laughs> See you in two until weeks. I have yeah. To. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think he's like just more. He's more polished about it. Like yeah. when you lay yeah. the the foundation of I'm not, you know, quite ready. It gives you the out right. on, on spring training. Right. So that's my. I mean, that's just me. I'd uh, give it a DEFCON 3. Really? Yeah, I'm kind of middle of the road on it, too. Mm-hmm. It's not you a guys, 1, hey, it's not what, What's the over-under, Sean, on what DEFCON we're at in the nation right now? Oh, do you know? Do, have you looked it up? I'm I gonna can, s- yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to find. Okay, I'm going to say 3. I'm going to say 3. 3, yeah. You, you're guessing, John and I are both guessing 3, so... Yeah. The current DEFCON level is three. You guys did what any good, mediocre student would do. You chose C. <laughs> Took the middle. And uh, there you go. That's what you do on Family Feud also when it's one of the fast money hey. questions. And they go, on a scale of one to ten. Five. <laughs> either say one, ten, or five. Yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. yeah. On, on Family Feud. little advice in case you ever wind up on Family Feud. Hey, um, what do you do for Valentine's Day? Do you go out to eat? Do you We're going cook? to the fishing show. <laughs> Hand to God. We talked about it yesterday. I'm taking my wife to the fishing show. Is she excited? That is, after all, the gift that keeps on giving. That's true. You can get rods, reels, gear, yeah. and all that get stuff. Get you out of the house for most uh, of the year so yeah, you can go get, fish. No, she's going with me. No, I know, but, uh, but you know, you're they have a nice concession stand there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Should we buy a hot dog? I no, to- I actually cleared it with her. I have to do a, a Q&A slash seminar with oh, the Bite Me podcast. Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing that today at 530 and she says, you know what? Because she's just kind of gotten into fishing. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, she goes, you know what? I'll go. She's, so I'm sure she's going to buy all kinds of lady fishing stuff. I know Landry's staying at home because they've got a baby. You're not going to pay for a babysitter on a Wednesday night. No, we're going to Hibachi, man. Oh, we're going to okay. take the baby. Bringing baby. the baby yeah, with yeah, you? Baby okay. Like the, uh, mm-hmm. like the scene. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 